Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This Ben Jarofsky Show post-debate Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J. Take it away. Okay, we'll do. Dr. D. Bendrovsky here. It's bonus time on the Bendrovsky Show. We've been promoting this bonus segment for all day, all day, beating Friday, September 13th. Uh, Dr. D said, let's put it on live. So we're on YouTube Live, right, D? That's correct. That is correct. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. And uh, so, uh, but a lot of people will be listening to this as download. So we're going to probably be. Put it, uploading this so it goes hits 6 a.m. Monday. So uh, anyway, uh, 5 a.m. Monday. There's a lot of early risers out there now. Come on. I'm not one of them. That's for certain. Uh, We have two of the greatest political minds uh, Chicago has in the studio. Uh, I love these people to death. And so um, it's like my dream team of political observers uh, in the studio with me. Can't wait to get the conversation going as we do it with our bonus segments. I ask the dream team members to introduce themselves. So I'll start with dream team member right over here. Okay. Hi, Ben. Great to be back. Good to see you, Dr. D. Uh, Great to be here. Here on the bonus show, Samina Mustafa here. Uh, ben was gracious enough to have me on when I ran for Congress in the 2018 cycle, and now I'm just uh, I'm just someone who hangs out here every every couple of weeks. That's what I do. She's <laughs> a regular on the Ben Jarofsky show, uh, and I have a lot of opinions about Democratic presidential candidates. And we're going to hear them. I've already heard a bit of them on the phone before the show, and I kept telling Samina, save it for the show. All right, and uh, dream team guest number two, right there, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Latisa Wallace, um, former state representative for the 67th district, uh, former progressive candidate for lieutenant governor, current stuffy nose person, but uh, I have lots of uh, opinions as well yeah. <laughs> about and, last night's debate. And I want to thank Latissa first of all, for coming all the way from Rockford for the show. But secondly, she's sick, and she is a real trooper. She said she was going to do it. She got sick, and she came down anyway. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Latissa Wallace. Thank you Wallace. for having me. And um, so anyway, yes, Latissa Wallace, that Latissa Wallace, state representative from Rockford, former state representative, and she ran for lieutenant governor uh, with Daniel Biss in the 2018 primary. And that bis, uh, I've been being reamed by Pritzker supporters ever since. I, yes, indeed, voted for bis Wallace. I really appreciate it. Although I always thought it should have been the other way around. Wallace bis, but ever that's all ancient history. <laughs> that's another. That's another show. <laughs> that's another, another show. It's <laughs> yeah. another show. And hey, what we're doing? We're doing a post debate show here. So uh, if you're listening on the live stream, on the Facebook live stream, or the YouTube live stream, I'm looking at the chat. So if you want to weigh in with something, send it. 
We'll get it on the air. All right. So uh, we've been talking all, all day about the, the debates. I listened to them, and I know both of you did as well. Let's just start with just a general observation before I have a list of specific points uh, to go through. And if uh, Dennis can find them, we'll play some bits from uh, the debate so we can uh, get your response to them. But we'll start with you, uh, Samina, just a general observation about the debate, what it means in terms of the campaign, et cetera. So I, again, I think all of these debates, it's, it's more theater than real substance. But I, you saw some standout performances, and there's a lot of chatter about uh, what the impact of their, those performances are on their campaigns. I actually think that Castro did, did well. I thought Beto did well. Um, they had some standout performances. Uh, Klobuchar talked a lot more than she has in past debate performances. Overall, I'd say this was nobody hit it out of the park, um, but there were some really Real missteps, and most of them came from the presumptive frontrunner Joe Biden. Okay, <laughs> missteps. I don't know. I I think those are Biden steps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think that's just kind of the way he I steps. I think he just changed his name to Miss, and then that'll be missteps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> misstep, not Mister Step. Misstep. I don't know what she's talking about. Uh, <laughs> make sure the television. The, excuse me. Make sure you have the record, record player, player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Huh? Uh, <laughs> All right. That's Joe Biden could be the Democratic nominee. Get used to it, folks. Wow. Uh, Leticia, your general thoughts. You know, I have to agree with the idea of it being very much like theater. I do think there were some really kind of great standout lines. I think um, Harris had a couple of uh, lines that were direct and resonated with people. I liked how she looked directly in the camera and talked to um, the current president. Oh, Donnie <laughs> Trump. Um, oh, yeah. 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 Excuse me. I also think. Um, you know, that there were some questions that I wanted to hear answers from, from particular candidates that we didn't get to hear from them. Um, when we started to talk about civil rights and uh, the racial divide in the uh, community and in the country, we didn't hear from Warren, we didn't hear from Sanders or Yang on those issues. Um, I thought that that was a bit disappointing. Um, I did uh, believe that Castro was really strong. I know that he got a lot of criticism um, at the end, but I, I thought he was very strong. And um, it was actually pretty good to hear more from Senator Amy, um, as sometimes she's called. Well, uh, Castro, I don't know. The only criticism he got that I know about it from uh, former Mayor Rahm Emanuel, and as far as I'm concerned, if Mayor Rahm criticizes, you must have done something right. Now, having said that, <laughs> we're going to start with Castro. Uh, this, this covers a couple bases. So, is it permissible for a younger candidate to criticize an older candidate for being old, for drawing attention to a person's age? Is that permissible in this day and age, or is that ageism, Samina? So, first of all, if you're talking specifically about what Castro said to Biden, I do not consider it an ageist attack. It was substantive. Do you remember what you just said? You just said X, and now you're denying you said X. So it wasn't about ageism, it was about what did you say, will you stand by what you said? Um, I think that there is, so there's, I think these, these criticisms are getting collapsed. I think there's something to be said, and it's very, it's a fine line to, um, to, to, to navigate, but there's something to be said, and I think Eric Swalwell did kind of a clumsy job of it too, but just saying like, hey, we don't have a bench in the Democratic Party. There is no pipeline of leadership in this 
in this in, our, in the caucus in the house in terms of who's the up and coming leaders in the party and so i think it's fair to say there's an opportunity for a new leadership and not if it be about age because frankly you know, a lot of the new ideas have come from Bernie, and he's no young, he's no spring <laughs> chicken. chicken. So, so let's be clear, like, people aren't making that, you know, sometimes they do say yeah. old white men, and they throw lump Biden and Bernie together. But, but Biden is still talking like the same guy he was 40 years ago, in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bernie has been saying some good things for 40 plus years, and, and he's been ahead of the curve. So so let's be clear about what the criticism is. Um, and so that's where I, I think it's the sort of the attack on, on and you have to, I have to say, if you look at this, and, and I don't know how much time you spent on black Twitter, Ben, but <laughs> if you read black Twitter, they've, they've you know connected the dots. Who gets attacked for attacking Biden? Gumla Harris, Cory Booker, Julian Castro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the way, candidates of color. I, I have to make a confession. No, I don't spend any time on black Twitter. I don't spend any time on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you're not white Twitter, How white Twitter, it? green Twitter. Uh, yeah. uh, your thoughts? That is a perfect observation. I mean, because Bernie kind of ripped him apart last night as well. Um, but we only heard about Castro. <clears throat> it was a very substantive point um, in one segment um, when they talked about health care biden did say you can buy into he used that phrase mm-hmm. um, i guess there was another portion where he did kind of say um, you would be automatically included but what castro was speaking to was the fact that he did at one point mention buying into it and so i don't think that that was an ageist attack it was saying how is what you're saying now different from what you literally said two minutes ago? Mm. Well, I could tell you this, that the audience disagreed with you guys because in the in the immediate aftermath of Castro saying, did you forget it already or whatever the line was that he gave, uh, there was a gasp from the audience and so they felt as though a line had been crossed in what is accept- acceptable. Now, listen, Castro also said it's a primary, it's rough and tumble, and so... And he said it to the youngest candidate on the stage, by the way. He said it to Buttigieg. So we're talking about mindset, not age. Equal opportunity with his, um, yeah. Yeah. With his uh, jab last night i listen uh, as the, the, the old guy in almost any conversation i have on this show which i generally am the old guy in a conversation i am used to people making fun of me for being old uh so i can handle it but um i do think as put it this way a lot of people who vote in primaries of our of our the older persuasion so i'm just thinking tactically whether or not it's fair, whether or not it's uh, acceptable for a primary, tactically, I don't know if it's the best thing for Castro to do. Do you follow what I just said? That's, I think it's a fair assessment. That's why I think it, it, it has to be, and again, I don't think that Castro went there in an ageist, I didn't consider it an ageist attack. I considered it a Biden not paying attention to what he's saying and not really being prepared uh, to be on that stage for the third time in a row. So he's been consistently bad on debates. He's had the exact same sort of energy, sort of fumbling and mumbling, and sometimes, frankly, grateful that his time is up mm-hmm. because it's, oh, oh, I'm done, and yeah. he stops, yeah. he stops yes. even before. Nobody does that. Yeah. So <laughs> he clearly needs to be saved. His staff needs to be paying attention to every single one of these tapes and coaching him because yes. if he is the nominee, 
if he is going toe to toe with Donald Trump, Donald Trump is not a genius, but he knows how he li- he's a boxer and he knows he knows how to, how to land those people. punches. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And Donald Trump's a boxer. No, no, in the, the sense, flabbiest boxer I've ever no, seen. No, no, no. He's a, he's in the sense that he's a bully. He's he's a right. fighter. He's a con- he could do a counter punch, is what you're saying. He Absolutely. all he does is punches. All he, all he does Until is punches and counter punches. Until he lands one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it would be easy with Biden based on what we're seeing. All right, I'll throw this out to you and get your response to this. Uh, I would equate. Well, then we'll move on from this point. I would equate. I do not believe Castro was as innocent as uh, you guys are saying he is. I equate it to that moment in the mayoral debate where the candidate was Tony Preckwinkle versus Lori Lightfoot. And they were at, well, what do you really like about the other candidate? And of all the things in the world nice to say about Tony Preckwinkle, I mean, to say about Lori Lightfoot, all the things you could think about, she's, she worked her way up, she's a corporate lawyer, this, that, and the other thing. What did Tony Preckwinkle say? Well, I really like the fact that she's out about being a lesbian. By the way, right. did you know she was a lesbian? Yeah. That was so, a I mean, specific dog whistle. Come on, that <laughs> yeah. was very intentional. I mean, I guess you could say that Castro was was playing to the older, you know, maybe he's not remembering what he said because he's older. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he also really did backtrack on what he said so should he have not called it out or i mean what what's the solution to that yeah uh, i can hear what you're saying ben in the sense that a, a primary voter is typically older which and and that to me is is a separate structural well, that's problem a whole other issue yeah, yeah. <laughs> um because we have a lot of folks who just aren't engaged in the process but and so so yeah in that sense if if you heard that I will say that, you know, not to go down this path, but, you know, 538 released their post-debate poll and Elizabeth Warren by far and away won that. So it's like, you know, everyone's sort of like congratulating Biden for a job well done. It's like, uh, you know, the the, the proof is in the pudding, as it were. So uh, my okay, as far as as Castro and some of the other candidates, this was their third attempt, if they had been on a debate stage before, to make a lane for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, and fr- and some of them haven't done that. They haven't broken through to the top three. And right now, we're, you know, it's pretty much a Warren, Sanders, Biden, with a couple other folks, like, you know, sort of playing a role. But it's really the three that were in the center. So how do those other folks stand out? They have to say or do something. Yeah, I got it, I bet, Castro, people know who Castro is now. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's good or bad, he's getting some attention. Yeah, and I remember that Bill de Blasio, remember that name? He was in the debates, the last debates, yelling, trying to make his yeah. name presence known, yelling. Uh, all right, you mentioned Elizabeth Warden, uh, Warren. We're um, moving all over the place. We have a whole list of things to talk about. And I, I addressed this uh, to you guys before we went on the air, and I gotta deal with this. This, I don't know how else to say it, but uh, for lack of a better phrase, I call it self-hating women. I've been uh, drinking the Elizabeth Warren Kool-Aid for a long time. She and um, right now, I tell this all the time, I'm wavering between Bernie and Elizabeth. I don't know which one at, at the moment that I, I'm going to vote for. I just, I love Elizabeth Warren. She stood, she's been on the front lines. She's a role model in so many ways, in my opinion, for what a Democratic politician of, of either, any gender is. Uh, but so, so many women have told me, yeah, I like her policies, but she's schoolmarmish. I don't like the way she talks. And when I hear that, I'm like, what is that all about? And 
I don't know. Let's just get it out here. I mean, do you guys hear similar criticism from women talking about Elizabeth Warren uh, in sort of a negative, uh, derogatory way? Do you hear that kind of criticism? I think we hear that often whenever there's a woman who is seeking true power and true leadership. I mean, think about it. Who are the disciplinarians? Who are the educators? Who are the caretakers? It's other women. And if you've had some negative archetypes along the way and then you see someone who maybe says or does something that reminds you of that, it can, you know, immediately take you there. Um, I think that is just a symptom of the, the sexism that we have, right? We haven't seen women in those type of positions. And so we're very quick to dismiss and say she's too much like the school teacher that I had that I hated in sixth grade, yeah. right? <laughs> or she's so much like my mom, I can't stand it. Um, we see that and we hear that from men as well. So I think that a lot of that goes back to the fact that women have the most touch, if you will, um, in our lives, across our lifetime. Um, and we have not seen then women outside of those type of um, roles. And we will assign that to someone who's seeking higher office or any level of leadership. You, you hear and see it in corporate America as well. Um, in higher education, uh, female professors are expected to be the ones to, you know, be the sponsors of the student organizations and help with everyone's research project and stay after and support all of these things and not focus on her own research. Um, but when she does focus on her own research, then she's cold and aloof and she's not, you know, playing nice with everyone. So I think we do that to women across the spectrum. Yeah, I'd say there's the the phenomenon, and Latisa and I have talked about this. The whole like, uh, who do, who who the f do you think you are? Like, who who does she think she is? Mm -hmm. She's uppity. Um, so I mean, Kamala's getting that. You know, uh, I, I don't really hear it very much about um, Elizabeth Warren per se. I, what I hear mostly is because I'm seeing the Bernie uh, Warren divide more than anything is more, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren is, is, is perceived as more acceptable to the establishment. Uh, but again, and there's a lot of lumping her with Hillary. So in that sense, I see it as a sexist attack as like, oh, she's an older white woman, therefore she must be exactly like Hillary. It's like, no. There's some differences. Right. <laughs> There's some differences, and so like that's where I think like you know there are some folks who are just kind of putting them together, but I don't necessarily see it like the school marm critique. Um, but I have seen attacks that I perceive as gendered towards uh, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, um, just in general in terms of how they're covered, frankly, or if they're covered. What do you in mean? Absolutely. Well, like you know just. You know, so much of like this, I can't remember where the headline was, um, but I think it was something like two uh, two front runners headed for showdown on uh, you know debate night. It's like there's ten people on the stage, yeah. not just two. So like there's like this you know ignorance of like anybody else besides say like Bernie and Biden, and 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 I think you know the polls. It's early. You know we have a, a couple of months, and but again I still think. Uh, you know, with, with someone like Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, like they, these are women and something that people have brought up many times about the candidates uh, and Klobuchar is included in this. These are women who are uh, senators who frankly have won every election. They've sort of gotten to <laughs> from winning elections. So all this like, can they win? Should they win? Um, but then something I said to you on the phone, Ben, which is, 
you know, you go back to 2016, and frankly, I, I, every time I come on your show, I say this, uh, a majority of white voters have always voted, since the Voting Rights Act, have voted for the Republican candidate. And uh, I am gonna be shocked if that isn't the case in 2020, because a majority of white voters have always yeah. voted for the other candidate, so, and that includes uh, white women as they did in 2016. So um, what that does to the primary vote, um, I think that creates a lane, frankly, for Joe Biden. Unfortunately. Uh, uh, all right, uh, Dee, do you have that uh, that Rom quote about, uh, I keep referring to this, where he talked about exciting the base, the base is already excited. Do you know that one I'm talking about? Because this plays just into what Samina just got finished saying. Uh, he's looking for it right now. We've had this debate, it's an age old debate on this show. Uh, Latisa, people come on, like, how can the Democrats beat Donald Trump? Uh, do you have it? I think so. He's speaking with Yvette Simpson. Yes. Thank yes, you. here we go. Oh, Democracy for America. Progressives are really where the energy is right now. And I think if you can expand the electorate, which is what we saw in 08, bringing out new voters, particularly brown and black voters, young voters, energize the base where you don't have to change your message much, right? Just go out and get those voters excited. We can win. But hold on, Ron. I saw you shaking your head real quick. What, what's the rebuttal here? Well, first of all, Donald Trump is going to do a great job turning out our vote and in 08 as well as in 92 96 and in 12 is because both bill clinton and barack obama brought other people not just people in the party other people to the party all right that's uh rama man he goes on for a little we cut him off it's mercifully uh, <laughs> and uh so that gets the heart of things uh what uh, what Yvette Simpson was saying that you have to uh, give people who are Democrats a reason to vote or people who lean Democrat a reason to vote so they uh, they sign up to vote, they come out to vote, and uh, they believe in a candidate, and Rom dismisses that. They're going to vote anyway. We got them locked in. We don't have to worry about them. We got to bring other people uh, to vote Democrat. That means people who voted for Donald Trump last time are going to have to flip. So we have to have policies that move right to bring them over. I hear this. I it just drives me crazy. It's the same old Democratic strategy of the Clinton era that it lost 20. Say that again. <laughs> Are you talking about the governor's race? Is that what you're talking about? No. Uh, I, I, so what do you think about that strategy, uh, Rom's strategy there? It's a terrible strategy. I mean, people... <sighs> We can look at what this current president is doing and we can be up in arms because we should be. It's awful on many levels for many segments of our, our country. But at the end of the day, when I go back to certain parts of Rockford or I travel to parts of Chicago that I grew up in or even in the South suburbs, the day-to-day -day lives of many, many people um, wasn't any better or any different, um, depending upon whoever is in the White House or whoever is in the governor's mansion. So unless you're talking about how are you gonna change their fundamental well-being, right? Are you going to help them find a living wage job? Are you um, creating opportunities for safe schools and safe neighborhoods? People want to know that. It's unfortunate, but until things start to knock on your own door, you don't really think about you know, children who are stuck at the border. You don't think about it unless that, unless that child is somehow connected to you. Um, it's unfortunate you don't think about the, behavior, the behavior individuals who can't get into the country because you don't have family that's doing that. 
But what you are thinking about is every day I get up, I go to work, I work 40, 50 hours a week, and I still can't seem to get ahead. And that hasn't changed no matter who is in whatever office. And until we start to really speak to that, which is why I think so many young people are continuing to um, rock with or roll with Bernie, um, because he speaks about those economic issues, um, and to a certain extent, those are social justice issues. If we're not really speaking to people where they're at, no, people are not just automatically going to come out and vote because, for all they know, you know, we've had Democratic mayors, we've had Democratic governors, we've had de- Democratic presidents, and my day-to-day life hasn't changed. Yeah, I I think. Um there's, you know, Yvette Simpson's from Democracy for America, which is, you know, uh, really kind of the the counter to the centrist wing, which, you know, Rom represents. Rom is, is operating assuming that all of those votes are sort of accounted for. He is not thinking about expanding the electorate at all on the Democratic side. He's saying like, oh, we got these folks, we're gonna get them, we need to get those five swing voters in Ohio that Democratic strategists and centrists like Rahm are obsessed with. Guess what? That's not gonna, we're not gonna win Ohio and we're not gonna get those swing voters. What you need to do is if you were, <laughs> which you know, people in 08 and 12 realized is you needed to go to Milwaukee and Detroit and some of these um, these communities that have been ignored and are probably not unlike the parts of Rockford that Latisse was talking about that have been ignored and felt neglected. Now, when you talk to those people in 16 and someone did a story on Milwaukee, black voters in Milwaukee in 2016, they said nothing changed in the eight years that Obama was in office. What was the point for me to come out and vote? So th- this is this is what I think Rom and people like him miss every single time is that the base is actually not fully realized. It now hasn't been fully, um, you know, sort of franchised, if, if that's the right way to say it. We have a what was it? What was the percentage of turnout for the municipal election? Was it thirty three? Thirty three percent. That's not a mandate. Right. That is not a mandate. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I know exactly there's, there's, what you're so saying. So I'm saying we had, whatever, 14 people running for mayor. You know, Lori Lightfoot's being told that she has a mandate. She didn't. And we didn't get, we haven't gotten almost 46% of the country didn't vote in the 2016 election. There are people who are, are not, don't feel like the candidates are speaking to them. Nobody, nobody, is, uh, you know, is entitled to a vote. Yeah. Hillary Clinton wasn't entitled to their vote. But here's what I will say. You're right, and one thing that um, Rahm is right about is Donald Trump is gonna excite his base, Mm -hmm. and there was an article, and I wish I had uh, thought to send it to you, but there was a a pretty good article from an organizer from Obama's team saying, the Republicans are paying attention to what we did in 08. You know why? Because they're doing them. They're reading the books about what we did in 08, and they're using all of our tactics. I wish the Democrats would use our tactics. Like what, Wouldn't that I, be what, amazing? Wait, what tactics are you talking about? So basically, the field, 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 field. Yes. You need Contact. to have... You, in the age of social media, in the age of really kind of uh, fragmented... Uh, media, whether it's it's uh, in print, broadcast, or you know streaming like this, we have still people are still persuaded 
by one-to-one conversations. Yes. It is hard to um, it's hard to, um, to 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 tell people like, oh, someone came to my door and handed me this card for this candidate, and that I was really impressed. People that really touches folks, and I think even in this age of you know tweets and and you know impressions and Instagram, people still want to know that someone shows up. It still makes Absolutely. a difference. Right, well, see, so let the me science ask you. is clear on that as well. Let me follow up on what you said. Something it was uh, very profound. Uh, you were talking about how folks voted for. Barack Obama 2008, and here we are in 2019, and nothing really has changed in a fundamental, systematic way. All the inequities that existed uh, when Barack Obama was elected in 2008, all the inequities that existed for years before Before that that, still very much exist. So there's just this underlying, what's the word? nihilism i don't know what else to think like it's just a purposelessness of it all guess what racism sexism xenophobia all existed before donald trump right it'll all go on after donald trump so you know it's very much saying to people oh look here's and please i hope no one takes this as me being like a supporter of this man in no way am i but when you are so busy painting one party or one individual as the boogeyman you're ignoring all of the things that created the boogeyman and then you come and say oh well we're less like that boogeyman but we're still not going to talk about all the things that created that boogeyman that is a fundamental problem within the democratic party from top to bottom state and national, that is a problem. And that is why people are not turning out. People are not excited because nothing has changed in terms of, again, those disparities. And it's unfair for us to even think that one black person who is also part of that system of having had met racism and having met all types of other uh, forms of discrimination or oppression, it's unfair for us to say that he should have been able to change all of those things in the eight years that he was in office. And I'll venture to say that we're going to look back in a few years at Mayor Lightfoot and we're going to try to put a whole bunch on her shoulders that she wouldn't have been able to change. Oh, I can and, tell and, you. Yeah, and ignoring the fact that it was 32 years between elected black right. mayors. I, right. I, I live, I'm the only guy in this room old enough, speaking of my age, now I'm playing my age card on you. <laughs> uh, the Harold Washington years, and when when Chicago wow. had a lot of crime, in, uh, <laughs> you guys weren't even in grammar school back then. What, Harold Washington? I was, I can I was remember. 16 when he died. <laughs> I can remember. I was 60 when he died. I will see. I was. No, she's I won't lying. even say. She just looks really. She looks amazing. Wait, how old did you say? I don't want to get into okay, how great like, female yeah, candidates look. The point but. is, I remember uh, the Tribune writing editorials. Hey, Harold, stop talking about reform, this, that, and the other thing, whatever. And what about all the crime? In, oh, uh, uh, in in the black neighborhoods. What about all the crime? Daly gets elected. People are still getting shot all right. over. Well, crime, it's beyond any one mayor's control. My oh, God, right. wasn't that way for Harold? So you're right. There's a double, definitely a double standard. Oh, by the way, one more point, following up on what you said about uh, Rom and the base. The reason Rom got reelected is because the base wasn't energized. That's so right. if black people turned out and we're voting their economic interests under in the in the 2015 election. There's no way 
Rahm Emanuel would have been reelected. This is my humble opinion. You guys can feel but free to disagree right. with the me. But she's right. The strategy is never really to turn out the vote. It's, it's to depress yes, the vote. Yes. But but let's also be clear, and we and we talked about this separately, which is whenever an election uh, happens, it has to do with the, the candidates, the the opponents. It has to do with sort of other conditions that are outside of the campaigns and the candidates, and also the operation that they're running. You know, it's it's hard to really. I, I'd say there's there might be some parallels between the 2015 race between Chewy and Rom and 2016 between Clinton and and Trump, in the sense that what was the operation that Chewy was running, that was that could have countered Rom's money, and you know he's not, uh, he's not stupid. You know we don't agree with him, but he's not stupid, and he doesn't have stupid people on his team, but. Could Chewy's team have done some things better? Could Clinton's team have done some things better? So this is, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But that, but that's, but let's be clear. Field was something that was a failure from the Clinton t- uh, team, and and people, are, I don't know if the DNC is is has learned that lesson the media certainly has certainly hasn't learned that lesson so now the question is will the candidate who is a nominee will their team uh you know at least you know learn from that and do something differently all right let's uh uh, leticia you mentioned uh, bernie sanders Uh, did you have the the bit where bernie was talking about uh well he talked about healthcare many times one of his ringing uh uh, now pronouncements on our health care system. Anyone? I'm looking for it. Go ahead and talk. All stall, right. and I'll find okay, it. Okay, well, I'll stall. Uh, I've, I've heard Bernie Sanders so many times that I could pretty much do Bernie. Uh, I'm sure. do, do, do Bernie! Bernie. Yeah. No. Do Bernie! Do Bernie! Do Bernie! Do it! 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 That's me imitating Dennis, imitating Bernie. That's good. That's good. We should do a Bernie Sanders competition on the air. He is, he is so much fun. Like he is, he's. All right, let's hear like, you do, Bernie. Okay. Uh, wait. Okay. Let's. Uh, what's. A, what should I be talking about? Should I talk about healthcare? I uh, use the word. Uh, words. Ten percent. Do that. Ten percent. Ten. There's half a million people who have filed bankruptcy because of healthcare. That's my best. That, right, that's, that's, actually, that's actually Larry David. But yeah, that's I was okay. going to say. <laughs> now, Leticia, let's hear I, your voice. You're not going to do it. Just, she got a cold. The same as yeah. in the benefit. Actually, you would be perfect because Bernie had a cold last <laughs> yes, night. You have a cold now. Yes. Oh, is that what? Bernie had a cold last oh, night? Yeah. You didn't oh, say, you couldn't awful. tell me. Oh, he's been I, I, uh, I just thought it was raspy. Yeah. I'm the only person on this stage that hasn't voted for any of Trump's military budgets. That's right. That's That's right. right. I like it. Can you do Frank Sinatra? By the way, whenever you guys do Bernie, I'm just going to say this, you kind of slide into uh, Marlon Brando from The Godfather, whether you're realizing it or not. <laughs> you have to kind of go there. You kind of yeah, end up going Marlon there. Brando. You got it, D? After oh, I'm sorry. I was having fun with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, okay. I've heard Bernie so many times, uh, and it, it it fires me up uh, when he talks about the, the fact that you cannot possibly 
think you're going to have a sane system of health care if you have the insurance companies in there getting a profit. It is so obvious. <laughs> it makes so much sense. It's so logical. Right. But he has to say it over and over again because the other guys keep saying, oh, why, you know, you, sh you should have your option, right? Yeah, you should have your option. <laughs> they think, yeah. think Americans are really dumb, which, yeah. Anyway, so um, how effective, Leticia Wallace, do you think it is uh, when Bernie... Uh, makes these pronouncements, these really strong, powerful statements over and over again. Do you think at some point people stop listening? Do you think it's sinking in? What's your thoughts about this? Well, what is it? There actually is some number. I can't even remember how many times people have to hear something before it really sticks. What is it, like seven at least? Um, I don't know. He might just be falling into that same trap that we were talking about with women. Like people are probably like, oh, okay, that's the angry uncle or the grandpa who knows it all, yet we don't know what he, we haven't seen what he's talking about. We haven't lived it. We haven't experienced it. So whatever. Unfortunately, I think sometimes he comes off as that. Um, but if people take the time and listen, <laughs> I mean, the man is. I don't know. He's a visionary. He's been, as Samina mentioned earlier, speaking and doing and acting on so much of this for decades. Um, and maybe now we're just now willing to kind of open up our ears a little bit to hear part of it. Um, obviously, I would say, because people keep saying Medicare for all, but they're not really proposing Medicare for all, but because they've heard Bernie say it so much, they're like, oh, well, we're going to say we have Medicare for all and this other option where you can, then that's not Medicare for all. Yeah. But, you know, apparently people are listening because they're using um, phrases that he's been using for many, many years. I would also add that I think it's really interesting to see what's happened in the last 18 to 24 months on some of these issues. There have been other folks that have been echoing what has been said by Bernie, by Elizabeth Warren, by other progressives that have been doing this for many years, um, but they 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 have a different uh, they have a different audience, and I'm thinking specifically of the Squad, um, and even people mm -hmm. like Cardi B. I mm -hmm. mean, like there are people who are uh, are doing the work of expanding the electorate and expanding the audience for these issues and doing it in a way that's captivating folks. I think honestly had there not been um, the sort of the, the powerful wins of AOC, Rashida Tlaib, you know, Ayanna Presley and Ellen Omar, like they are bringing these issues um, to a new audience, and they're and they're going to say it a little bit differently because they're different yeah. uh, from Bernie and and Elizabeth Warren and some of these other progressives like Pramila Jayapal, Barbara Lee, all these folks who have been doing it. But I think they're 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 creating um, and they're, they're crafting the message in a way that's uniquely uh, you know with their style. So I think that's also helping some of these these issues. If you've you've seen a dramatic increase, I mean, I've seen it um, not only at the electorate level but at the institutional level. Last time I was on, I think we talked about the American Medical Association sort of pulling back from their opposition. So you're seeing a, a really a sea change. And so yeah, sometimes you can be too early um, and say something over and over again, and then somebody else says the same thing. Listen, any woman who's ever worked in any institution has been there. Yes. You, you have said something in a meeting, and then some guy said it, and you're yeah, like, wait, I just said that. <laughs> exactly. We have, we have been there, yes. okay? So that happens all the time. So unfortunately, it's happening, in this case, to Bernie. And that's also kind of how I feel about Elizabeth Warren. 
um, I feel like I love what she's put forth, but it doesn't sound markedly different from any of the things that I fought for in the house. It's not markedly different than anything that I would have, would have imagined my great grandmother saying she needed that she would have needed a living wage. She would have needed access to childcare. She would have needed um, housing that's uh, adequate and quality and not uh, be discriminated against as she sought it. So yes, so many of these things, I would venture to say people of color have been really fighting for for a very, very long time. And now we've gotten to a point where it's being packaged and it has been mainstreamed by individuals who have perceived privilege. and. I mean, we know that that's often how it happens. What do you mean? But I can't Explain them more being that. packaged and present. What do you mean by that? I mean, when you're talking about universal um, child care, mm-hmm. um, as a black woman, as a woman of African descent, a, a woman whose family has been in this country for many, many, many years, um, working outside of the home was never an option. I mean, it was never, you know, optional to stay home, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> it was not an option to do that. Um, you know, the film The Help was so huge a few years ago, and I took my mother to see it, and we both were in tears because we thought about my grandmother and how that was her life. She left her children, my mom and her sister, at home to travel to the north side to take care of other people's children. So these are not new issues. Women of color have been fighting for these things for a very long time. Um, The fact that our federal labor practices left out domestics like my grandmother, um, these are all economic, racial, and gender issues that certainly um, black women and women of color have been fighting for for a very long time. But when it's said by a white man or a white woman, it is heard by the masses. Uh, I could tell you I share, (laughs) I know exactly what you guys are talking about. If you're on the fringe ideologically in this country, (laughs) I'm speaking of my career here, Uh, but if you're on the fringe ideologically and you're pushing in a direction that nobody else is going, the first thing they do is ignore you. Okay, that's the first thing they do is they ignore you. And at some point, if you're persistent enough, they try to co-opt you. And if that doesn't work, they co-opt your uh, your worldview, but they take <laughs> they strip it down so it's meaningless. Well, and, how uh, can we keep so. throwing around the word progressive? What the hell does that even mean yeah. anymore? What does it mean anymore? I I do not know the answer to that question. Do you have an answer to that question? No, I mean, but that's I mean that's something that I hear all the time. And uh, I think Latisha nails it. Uh, she, she nails it. This is these are ideas that have probably, if you really did sort of the like the lineage, the history of these ideas, they started in uh, from activists in most cases black women. Yeah. And but you know you look on this debate stage last night, and for the first time you know you've got a black woman candidate, and for the first time on the moderator's desk mm-hmm. you've got a black woman. And that was a fight. Um, it was a fight to get her there. Is that yeah. what you're saying? I didn't know the behind the, the, the scenes. Last, the last two debates were, 
but there wasn't a, I mean, there might, I think, uh, uh, I can't remember, um, there was a there was a man of color, but there was never a woman yeah, of woman color. Of All right, let's get to uh, the woman of color on the stage, at, both as a candidate and the woman of color on stage as a moderator. And there was a great moment in uh, the debate last night where Kamala Harris was confronted. Dee, do you have that bit? If, even if you don't have it, I don't think I do. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say a universal no. I'm like doing three things at once. Yeah, poor guys, running the camera, posting the weekend show. Poor D, man. No, he's working. No, he's working. Yeah, he's multi-talented, so let's you. just forget that. I could just, uh, I know it, I've heard it so many times, and this is that moment um, where Kamala Harris was forced to come face-to-face with the fact that uh, when she was Attorney General in the state of California, the most powerful law enforcement official in the state of California, uh, she was not a progressive on issues like uh legalized marijuana on uh, issues like bail and bond reform that are the big talking points of the day. Uh, she was kind of a hard ass. Tough on crime. Law, mm-hmm. Tough on crime law and order cut from the Bill Clinton mm-hmm. school. Uh, uh, and now she's being forced to confront uh, her record while she is a candidate trying to present herself as a progressive and the person who put it right into her face was the moderator whose name I cannot remember Lindsay Davis Lindsay Davis uh, and um, that was a very powerful moment I would love to think uh, get your thoughts on both how the question is framed and the response uh, that was delivered and I'll just start with you Samina so I think it was really powerful for a number of reasons. You know, the moderator, Lindsay Davis, was asking the question, uh, you know, the first time there's a, there's a black woman uh, in this debate cycle who's, who's moderating a debate, you're at a historically black college and, and you're asking Gamma Harris this question. And there's a part of me that was like, okay, yes, Gamma Harris should be accountable for her record. But there was also a part of me is like, um, as, you know, Joe Biden, ask all these other people. Like, it, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's important to ask these questions, but I also feel like it is unfortunate that the issues of race and criminal justice are always lumped together. That's one. Yes. Two, the fact that issues of racism as they are impacting other systems and institutions are always left to the people of color to not only ask, but also answer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've got this this loop, like only people of color ask other people of color about issues that, that people of, that affect people of color. Guess what? Beto can answer that question. You know, Biden can answer that question. Buttigieg can answer that question. Klobuchar can answer that question. So it's my, my, and Sanders and Warren, mm-hmm. obviously, which they weren't even asked that racism question at all. At all. So, <clears throat> But so that's uh, that's that's my statement. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay, wait. I'm so, I have to I know, breathe deep <laughs> having been a black woman in office. Pastor Latisa has the floor. <laughs> there are so. Oh my Lord. Um, I'm glad that she was asked the question, but I. I echo what you just said about it having to come from the other black female. Um, that's typically how the media likes to kind of portray it. Likes to be able to see two people of color kind of going at it, sort of, right? I think it's also important to express the fact that typically if you are a candidate or an elected official of color, already the minority, and then if you happen to be a woman, then you're the minority of the minority. You are expected to 
act in such a way that is so consistent with the status quo that you don't tick people off. Um, you're already seen as someone who can't garner the votes um, of the majority, um, whether it is white or men. And so you do operate in a way that you think is going to help garner the vote. Now, if you are a person of conscience, that will weigh on you so much that either you got to get the hell out or, <laughs> or you get to the point in your career where you have to have a reckoning. And I think that's what um, where uh, Senator Harris is. She's going to ha people are going to make you answer to mm -hmm. towing the line and going with the status quo um, and doing what you thought was necessary so you could be in the room. And she even said that last night that I thought that I could change the system by being inside of it. Well, you can't get inside if you don't play a certain level of the game. Um, and that is a true, like, double-edged sword and catch-22 for uh, minority candidates. Um, you've got to be palatable enough for people to be willing to vote for you. You have to be kind of careful, even if what you put out even if your agenda and your actions and everything that you're working toward is specific to your own community, you almost have to say it in a way that people don't pay that much attention to it because if they think for a moment you're doing something special for the black community where it might be just about equity, right? Being intentional to dismantle something and build it up and get toward equity and get toward justice. If people think that, you will never get it done. And that's just the absolute truth. And I, so it was very, um, it was hard for me to watch. I felt really emotional about that particular question and um, being someone who took some really hard votes and, and actually being someone who said I wasn't going to take certain votes because there's no way I'm locking up more black men or there's no way I'm doing something that I know is going to hurt my community. And you can tell me that's going to hurt me in my district, but then guess what? They'll vote for me or they won't. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really completely felt um, Senator Harris in that moment. Well, we're seeing this debate happening in real time in the city of Chicago. Let's just move away from the debate for a moment because following up what you said, Latisse, we're seeing this debate happen in real time in this ongoing uh, dispute, if you will, between Tony Perkwinkle and Lori Lightfoot over bail and bond and what's the reason why uh, there's uh, shootings in Chicago and Lori Lightfoot blames it on, Mayor Lori Lightfoot blames it on uh, judges who let the people out of of, of prison or jail with a low bond on an I bond or what have you, or just put the little elect, uh, bracket on their mm -hmm. legs so they're supposedly being monitored. And uh, she says that it's the fault of the judges. And Tony Preckwinkle has countered by saying that's an unfair criticism. That's the statistics show that the people who commit these crimes are not repeat offenders. And so you're just creating a boogeyman where none exists. And mm -hmm. the real problem is, is that uh, you don't have enough to detectives to solve the crimes so that people feel that there's an accountability uh, when a, a black person is killed by usually another black person. And, and that's exactly when I just mentioned bills that I said I wasn't going to vote for. Um, I specifically uh, did not vote for the uh, Rahm Emanuel, Eddie Jackson backed bill for supposed re repeat gun offenders. Um, if you're not actually arresting people and bringing them to justice in the first place, 
you're never going to get to the point where they're sentenced anyway. So you need to get out there and figure out how to solve these crimes. Um, and this this fallacy, psychology will tell you, you know, greater punishment is not necessarily a deterrent. I mean, there is a whole freaking line of research in psychology that's all about um, behavior and punishment. And I wish that someone would read it and uh, then make public policy based upon it. Because saying that you're going to go to jail longer, people aren't worried about that because they also know they're not going to get caught any damn way. Yeah, and I think that, and Ladisa said that so beautifully, and I think that is something that I think there isn't enough appreciation about, um, the tension of being a, specifically a woman of color, a black woman in office, and having to just even be in the room. Um, and again, go back to someone like a Joe Biden, who frankly, you know, <laughs> he, he you can't, it's almost like, it's almost laughable to think a little bit like that some of these folks are on the same stage together and, and that they're sort of being looked at as if like nothing kept them from getting to that point. I mean, Julian Castro, I mean, some of the stories that these folks are telling about how they, they grew up and, and things that they had to overcome, these are powerful stories. And it's like, you look at someone like Joe Biden who didn't, I mean, had obviously some hardships, but nothing like what Julian Castro or Kamala Harris or Cory Booker went through. And I just, there's this part of me that's like, I don't think if, if the Democrats who are supposed to be on our side don't get that, how do you expect people who are just trying to live their lives, who are just trying to navigate the world, trying to get their health care, trying to get to and from work, you know, spend the three hours it takes to watch one of these debates and be engaged, and then eight years later realize nothing has changed. Yeah. So, I mean, like, th that to me is like a, there's so much of a disconnect, unfortunately, and I every time I come on your show, I do this too, it's a media, the media critique, yeah. which is you don't have people who remember what that was like, because, George Stephanopoulos is not making $15 an hour, let's yeah. face it. He's probably making $15 million a year, if not more. So you have a complete disconnect for what, what ordinary people go through, and then you add the, you know, the, the layer of gender and race and class, and you just, you're talking to a completely different audience. And, and I'll, I'll just say this about uh, the, Kamala Harris's position on these, uh, uh, her law and order background as Attorney General. I can make the argument that it will be helpful in a general election to go up against Donald Trump and say, I was tough on crime. Traditionally, that's how Democrats go. When they get into the general election, they move Absolutely. right, they move yeah. to the center. And so one could make the argument that what is a vulnerability in a Democratic primary where the left is the deciding factor mm -hmm. would be a a benefit in a general election where you have to appeal to a wide range of people. One can make that argument. In fact, that was the reason that Bill Clinton gave for being Bill Clinton right. uh, and selling out every value he had from his days in the 60s. And who pushed him to the right? Rahm Emanuel. Oh, time out. Yep. Wait, yep. you got that wrong. Now, you got the I mean, tail like, wagging the dog. Uh, but Billy th told Rahm everything that Rahm knows, and Rahm just can't do it as good as Billy. He's not as smooth. <laughs> Rahm is not. That's the problem. Those memos. That is those, those memos. But I'm just He was just telling boss what he wanted to hear in those but, memos. But, but it's. 
but here's the thing. Let's let's be clear that this is not 1992. That is correct. We are we are in a very different conversation. Has the has the country changed completely such that everybody is going to be on board with sort of um, restorative justice or expungements of, of cannabis convictions or what have you. I think there's a lot of education that's happened in the last, you know, uh, 20 some odd years. But like, let's be clear, um, we're almost 30 years. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I think it's how you frame it. And in, in the case of, of Kamala Harris's record, I think she didn't seem which I think is kind of a little surprising is she didn't seem ready to respond. Anytime her, her records come up, she doesn't really respond to it directly. So that's some that's a tactic. So I think it's her team has to look at because she never really responds. I wish there was there was a candidate out there who said, I made a mistake. But I, I could have done but you know what I mean? Like, respond, I, I wonder if that is the tactic to Ben's point to not go on the record and pigeonhole yourself in such a way that if you make it to the general, you can't then stand on that and say, yeah. you know, I was doing my job as a prosecutor. I was doing my job as the attorney general. Yeah. Um, so I wonder yeah, if that's, it, a that, that, that's a needle, exactly a, what I was saying. Yeah. It's a, there's a needle to thread. Mm -hmm. I think because, you, but here's the question though, and this is like I guess a fundamental question for the democratic, uh, the Democrats in general and progressives also is that what, is this the message that's in the Democratic primary one that will not play? Are there are there are issues like criminal justice? Are these things that will not play to a national audience? And are there ways to do it? Like, oh, are there yeah. ways to have that conversation? Like, if you talk about expungements of cannabis convictions or things like, like there's yeah. got to be ways to do that. Well, this is, you know, one thing that I was disappointed about when they talked about education. I think one person did bring up um, everyone being able to have access again to the Pell Grant. But, you know, people talk about criminal justice reform, talk about the failed war on drugs, but don't talk about the fact that the number of black men who were, um, charged with possession, and then now, if they would like to return to college, they can't receive federal aid for it because you've got to say, "Oh, I had this drug convention, uh, conviction." We tried to make some efforts um, or move away from that in the state of Illinois. That is an uphill battle. Um, so people aren't being even honest about the things that have gotten us into certain situations. And again, they say they're the party that, you know, is for this and for that. And then the final point I'll make about that is, you know, when we were talking about um, how, how Kamala or how anyone actually kind of threads that needle, we need to focus, I think, and this is where I think Bernie gets the traction, when you strip away um, race from those same issues, and again, I'm gonna sound bad if someone takes this out of context, and you focus on the economic piece of that, then you have the ability to cut across geography and um, other demographics to be able to say that this is an issue that we all should care about. So if you're talking about bail reform, well, of course, poor people, black, white, or Hispanic, are gonna be experiencing these issues. When you talk about um, the disproportionate amount of people who 
you know, have felony convictions for certain things, yes, it is hugely disproportionate to African-American communities. It's also disproportionate to people living in, in poverty. So when you start to zero in on the economic piece, I think that's how you make it a broader message for everyone. Well, here's how it, uh, it, it all kind of blends together. And again, we're a little off the debate. Uh, Samina knows this, uh, Latisse, I haven't shared this with you. I have a, a mini obsession right now with Dave Chappelle's latest uh, oh, comedy yes. special. I've seen it twice. Awesome. I need to watch it again. And uh, I've watched it twice. Uh, probably watch it a third time, but one riff he does, Samita has not seen it, so as you she need to have me back on so we can talk, talk about, about that. But one riff he goes on that I think is apropos to this is when he goes on this riff about how he lives in Ohio and he's suddenly being confronted by white people who are heroin addicts and the attitude, the different attitude that society has for white heroin addicts as opposed to black crack addicts in the 80s. And it's pretty. I think it's a pretty on-target bit that Chappelle is doing. That I got some problems with this Michael Jackson stuff. We'll leave that yeah, to the side. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think that there's a greater sympathy. People, I don't even know if they realize it. But when you like when America confronts <laughs> when America confronts a white addict, there's sympathy. When America confronts a black addict, get yourself together. You're going to jail. That's where you belong because you were. You know, I see that. Mm-hmm. I see that all the time. Constantly, and Kamala Harris is dealing with this as a black woman and an attorney general in a way that Joe Biden, Donald Trump will never have to deal with it. Absolutely, but what you just talked about is also, um, there's a whole line of uh, psychological research on that as well, that people show more empathy within group. If they can identify with that person um, in any way, there's going to be more expression of empathy toward that person. So I think that was what Chappelle was getting at when he talked about the black crack addicts, right? And he's like, well, I feel the same way <laughs> that <laughs> about the people who I saw, but no one said, come help them, right? Yeah. And now that I see this crisis happening, I'm going to treat you the same way that you treated my community. I don't care that much. Um, and it, that really is rooted in um, just... It's an evolutionary thing, and it's a psychological thing, and people definitely have more empathy within group. All right, let's let's move on to uh, Andrew Yang, and uh, I, in many ways, I'm perplexed by his candidacy. Um, not quite sure what he's getting at with his candidacy, and I, it seems like every debate he says something <laughs> that's so bizarre uh, and so borderline offensive. So he has this thing, he's done it twice now, did it in the last debate, did it in this debate, where he says something self-effacing about being Asian uh, and then makes this like gross generalization. So this debate, I think it was, I'm Asian, so I know a lot of doctors. Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell? That's like a black guy, I'm black, I know a lot of basketball. You could imagine Dave Chappelle as a joke doing it, you know what I'm saying? And then in the last one, I'm Asian, so I'm good at math. Man, I know a lot of Asians who suck at math, you know what I'm saying? I just don't get, like, what is that all about? And does he think that that works, that makes him more lovable or likable? I don't, I'm not feeling this one, Samina. He's really, I mean, uh, back to your Chappelle comment, I'm sure, well, that wasn't, that's not a new comment from Chappelle, and I we could go on about how Chappelle's not at the top of his game. Uh, I'm sure somebody, somebody, else, somebody else came up with that that concept, the crack epidemic versus the opioid epidemic, much way before he did. But um, on Andrew Yang, 
I think Andrew Yang, it, there's so many things that are, are wrong with his candidacy, but he really is digging into the model minority myth, which is fundamentally, which is fundamentally rooted, rooted in anti-blackness. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a tactic, it is a whole thing, way of, of thinking that is about, you know, we're a minority, but we're not like those people. And it's just, I've seen him make a couple of statements on race and on just sort of the the left versus right and just completely miss the mark. And he just doesn't have a really strong sense of, I mean, obviously he's talking to people and he's got this, the Yang gang that like, (laughs) that I think uh, some people have described them as, as I think coming from some, is it 4chan or 8chan? I can't keep track with all these online portals, but um, that they're, you know, they have a kind of a, a bro-y white supremacist strain. And so uh, he's just leaning into racial stereotypes that frankly aren't helpful. And and a lot of Asians, uh, you know, being an Asian Indian myself and being in a lot of pan-Asian communities, we're just like scratching our heads. What are you talking about? You're not helping us. This is not helping us. Um, I thought it was also interesting, though, at the debate last night when the question of China came up, he got that question first. (laughs) So in some ways, the moderators were playing that game, too. Like, oh, let's ask him. Let's easy. Like, let's ask the Asian guy about China. So, yeah. Are you you perplexed by Andrew Yang as well? (laughs) Well, I was absolutely going to bring up the model minority, the, the myth of that and how that really is rooted in white supremacy, as well as, as you mentioned, anti blackness or um anti any group that's been here and has been perceived as not doing as well as they could have or should have if they worked harder if they did x y or z and um acted more like this particular group they could be further along and so yeah i do think that he plays completely into that um and it, it makes me cringe. Yeah. Completely makes me and, cringe. And then the other thing he did, which I had a little fun with at the start of the, a regular show today, uh, he just stole it right out of Willie Wilson. Uh, just, I'm going to give you guys money. Just, and um, I like Willie's approach better. Willie just said, come to this place, I'll give you the cash. <laughs> D- D- Andrew, yeah, you, you got to go into his computer thing, enter his computer, give him all your information. (laughs) He's slick. He's like Zuckerberg. He's taking stuff from you before he gives it to you. So I, but it's, what else is it? It's how much, what's the difference? He's trying to grow his list, man. He's trying to grow his list. list. (laughs) How come Prisker didn't think of that? He's got more money than Andrew Yang. Anyway, all right. um, Cause uh, that's a whole other race. Uh, But uh, yeah, Andrew Yang, I'm not feeling his, uh, his campaign in any way at this moment. And I'm still perplexed as to how he was able to make to that on, on the stage. Yeah. I mean, they made fun of Marion Williamson. That's that's what I'm saying. I think he has a very active online uh, presence. He's got those folks that are really, you know, kind of he's activated. He's he's he was he started running uh, actually a long time ago, yeah, which is I mean, if you think about it, he's just been out there longer talking about this and and has had a consistent message. So whether I agree with him or not, he's been consistently and he's always bringing up his freedom dividend. And so mm-hmm. to a subset of the population that is intrigued by UBI, he he is such a clear message that is memorable. Mm-hmm. And that is something that actually, even though I don't agree with him, and I don't necessarily think that UBI is gonna be the panacea, especially with his um, ideology that is probably gonna be cutting social programs to give UBI, um, 
it, it's something that for the other candidates, the front runners to think about. So well, simplifying I, I'm surprised the that they're not because yeah. much of it is rooted in, you know, the war or the, um, the poor people's campaign and all the work that went into uh, the latter part of Dr. King's life. So it's interesting that no one else has latched on to UBI in any way. Um, even even a, a Sanders or a Warren. UBI I mean, stands for universal, universal basic, basic income. Yeah, yeah. Uh, correct. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Robert Mueller. Uh, all right, uh, <laughs> really appreciate that. Uh, D, could you play that tape that we did from uh, 2010? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let me grab it. Let me grab my fifth arm. And- <laughs> Take care of that. Uh, could you do that Latisha Wallace interview from 2017 uh, where she first came on my show? Oh, uh, pre you getting fired. Yeah, right. Yeah, right that okay, part. cool, cool. On that other station? Yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it. Yeah. WC, get out of here. Something, yeah. Uh, and um, uh, anyway, uh, really appreciate the work that the doctor does. But uh, all right, uh, so we pretty much come to the end of this. I'll just ask as a final question, having seen you guys have seen now three debates, four yeah. debates. Yeah, three. Uh, we'll start with you, Mina, go to you, Leticia, close it down. Who are you leaning for? Or have you changed your mind? Or you have three candidates. Give three candidates instead of just one. So if I had to say um, the three candidates that... (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? You know, I actually went... Music aside, but I'm impressed that you were able to cue it up. That's I really, I'm impressed. Did that, yeah. um, I'm sorry, I'm ruining the moment. Um, sorry, I'm ruining the moment. Three candidates be <laughs> my three candidates. Uh, my three candidates. Should I, should I do an impression of each one? I could try. Yeah, yeah. I could oh try. I could try. Each Go. candidate. Each candidate. My first candidate is Bernie Sanders. Yeah, right. That's great. Yeah, my that's my second candidate is Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. I think she has always has this like look, and if you're watching the video, and the last one is you old ass Julian Castro. <laughs> uh, she likes. Well, okay, let's the be clear. Ages. He could be. He could be very. Uh, he could be way better on on sort of the economic progressivism, but his immigration plan Absolutely is agree. excellent. Well, not only that, he he was in the first debate. I gave him so much credit and shout out because he went right at the specific clause in the immigration law that was forcing uh, people to get arrested and be treated like criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I give him a uh, shout out for that. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, let's do like a little one word here because there's some candidates we kind of left out here. Uh, oh, okay. What about um, uh, Amy Klobuchar? Just one word. Uh like as flat as her beer. I don't know. I just like not excited about her. I'm not excited. Not excited. Neighbor. Neighbor. Mm-hmm. Mean like she's like your neighbor? Yeah, I think she'd be like someone who's on the block for me. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's great. Uh, All right, what about uh did we talk about Beto? No, Eric really. Beto's got any love. Beto with the guns. You got to give him credit for that. You Come know, on. I oh, look Latisa. Uh-uh. I just <laughs> not deal with it. You know what? He, he here. It's going back to what uh, we were talking about earlier. Beto gets the credit for talking about racism and gun violence. That uh, you know, and specifically on racism. <laughs> yeah. That black people like Colin Kaepernick, you know, took a knee. But Beto gets his video goes viral, and he's you know being told to run for president, and Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job. So I'm just saying. What's your a word? Yeah, oh, I don't know. I'm bad. Uh, what is it? Here's the word. AR-15. That's what you should be running for, senator Senate. in well, Texas. That's probably what he'll run for next. Uh, or or who be the VP? What about Cory Booker? Uh, 
Ooh, we haven't talked about CB. He had some good lines. I like the he one. Um, what did he say? Don't let purity be the altar that yeah. Uh, progression or yeah, that progress is sacrificed on or something like that. I was like, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, he better than anyone, I think, answered the education question, tying it all together. That it, it's not just about the classroom and teacher pay. But what is the environment that the child is living in? What are some of the, you know, in terms of lead and, you know, awful toxins in the air and asthma and all these things. He didn't bring up asthma specifically, but he connected the dots. Yes, of environmental justice, Mm -hmm. educational outcomes, um, communities. I, I think he answered that question far better than anybody else on the stage. And he remembered veterans that, and that nobody yes. else did that. Yes, and, he did. Uh, Leticia, I have a message to give to you from the guest at uh, the three o'clock hour was a state senator now, not state representative anymore. Rob Mark Ricky said to say hello. Aww. He's really drinking the uh, uh, Cory Booker. Cory Booker. I mean, he was dousing it. He goes, Ben, Cory Booker's the guy. I'm like, hey, and, I don't know. Kool-Aid away from me. And I got to tell you, I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid about two weeks ago, but he is really drinking that, Cory. I'm not really feeling Cory. And Booker. I think there's one more candidate uh, that we haven't really mentioned that much. I know why you haven't been. Mayor Pete. Oh, man. oh Mayo Pete, as <laughs> yeah. black Twitter calls him. Mayo. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so I think um, Castro got him real good, reminding him what a primary is. Yeah. Um, he had a few. He had a few good lines. I mean, he always has. He's he's well spoken. I just don't know what he's saying. That the Medicare for all who want it. Come on, man. Like, well, his closing, um, his his sharing of um, resilience and uh, any potential career setbacks. I think that was. Well, this is uh, a question I said I was going to ask you, and so I'm going to ask you right now. Uh, when they asked, you know, what. Uh, resilience means to you, whatever the question was at the end, and they all got to get personal stories. He talked about uh, coming out and telling, letting the whole world knows that, know that he was gay. So it led to the following exchange between me and many of my friends, and that is this, this question. Who will get elected president first, a gay white man or a woman of any color? Samina? Uh, I think a gay white man. Matisa? Mm-hmm. Gay white man. Okay, just threw that out there. Uh, and uh, you know what, Leticia, you didn't get to name your three favorite candidates at the moment. Oh, yeah, right. not endorsing anyone, just the three that you're, you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People have been really trying to figure this out for weeks since someone I know endorsed someone. It's like, what does Leticia think? It's like, oh, you haven't thought about me until he said something. Um, Sanders, uh, Warren. And then, I, I mean, I have like a four, a top four. And then it would be, be um, Harrison Booker. And I know that those are extremes on the political um, spectrum. But sometimes you got to root for the team. Or as Issa Rae says, I'm rooting for everyone black. Uh, well, I have to go with, I'm really feeling that Bernie today. Uh, Bernie, Elizabeth Warren, and I still haven't quit on Kamala. All right? I'm still right. drinking. Hold on. See, it's funny because I didn't go for my tribe. I mean, Kamala is Indian, half Indian, yeah. and uh, yes. Yang is Asian, but, uh, but I'm not, fe- I'm not come feeling Come on, Yang. Yeah, I mean, joke. yeah, but uh, I mean, come there are people on. who support him. P- there are people who are very, like, you know, they they want to see an Asian president, you know, and like I said, there's, there's things I like about Kamala. I just 
wasn't feeling it with her last night. I think she showed a lot of. Um, I like Kamala, man. She, I'll she, be showed, honest with she you. showed a lot of warmth last night, which I thought was actually really refreshing yeah, from was. all the candidates. A lot of the candidates seemed really like. Err. She seemed she, real. Yeah, she was actually really Not warm and, and rehearsed, and, and she was, and she was like, it's funny because Megan McCain, who's useless on um, most days, she's like, I couldn't stand all the rehearsed lines from Kamala Harris. I'm like. I thought Kamala seemed more loose yeah, and like she's good. just like, with the exception of the Lindsey Davis question, I thought she felt as she felt more natural. Well, you know, I uh, I'm heading into Latisa country on that on that question. I think she's holding back to use that as a calling card. Should she be the presidential candidate and running against Donald? I threw more people in jail than you ever threw into jail or something like that. Who knows where we're going? I kept or, us safe, you know. Or we could go the other way. Imagine this: if it's Kamala versus Donald John Trump, think of this. Where Donald John Trump is coming at it from the left on criminal charges. Oh, I'm the one who passed he, this. He, he does. He will. He will. Because yeah. Booker will. brought it up. Uh, yeah. He will last he will. night as Which, well. Which, what a bogus. That's what yeah, I love. Booker that's did where bring I lost that up Booker. last night. Come yeah. on, Booker. He will. He will. See, Booker sometimes goes in that that direction. A radical um, love. No, the, the whole thing, the whole thing where like we can, we can work together, and I, it's such a that bogus. is it's, it's his concept, it's the radical love concept. Yeah, well, it's just this bogus thing. I haven't seen a Republican working with a Democrat on the national level since the '90s, and it didn't work out so well then. Yeah, and it that didn't even work in the '90s. They started to impeach Clinton as soon as they could. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we were probably taking too much time. They got welfare time. reform, so, you know, and they got. Uh, that's why I'm saying uh, it didn't work out so well. Uh, the what's the other bill? The crime bill. The crime, the crime bill. Yeah, that's what I mean. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't uh, work out for us. When, yeah. It worked out for them. <laughs> when when we have it, when Democrats act like Republicans, that's when they call it a compromise. I'm still waiting for a Republican to come to the left on anything, anything, yeah. and it's uh, not going to happen. Latisha Wallace, it's it's a blast having you back. It's been too long. Yes, so yeah. long. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so I know. focused on. And the boys that this was awesome to be here today well i know you came a long distance i really appreciate you coming down to the studio i mean that and as uh, you always one of my favorite guests as you know and of course the great uh samina mustafa not that longish left for you to come in here right <laughs> yeah uh, uh and so what we're going to do samina we're going to have you drag you we're going to make you watch that dave Chappelle oh, comedy no. special yes. she's and we could Chappelle. have a reunion yes <laughs> and talk the Chappelle. Show. well why don't we just I have mean, a reunion Chappelle. we just have a reunion we could you know yeah. we could do something really wild and crazy I'll make Dennis work. No, no, no. <laughs> we could we could do a live watching of ah. the show and do like live commentary. Time it's out. just a, it's an idea. Wait, is yeah. there copyright issues that you have to deal with? I don't know. Oh, go online. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Watch that. All right. Well, Speaking of copyright up. issues. Yeah. I just to say, I yeah, we're live, by the way. Just yeah, come okay. on and say hi to the camera. Uh, anybody okay. drops just walks on in. Uh, uh, the janitor. But, yeah. okay. uh, no, I um, I don't know if the copyright if the copyright issues are cool, we'll do that. It'll be fun to do it. And uh, I've got a, a friend or two uh, who've also expressed an interest. Everybody wants to talk about that Dave Chappelle thing. I'm oh, what if we were at home? We put on our individual yeah. Netflix. We do a watch party on Facebook, and we're we do it. Everybody looks at Dennis. People. Can you do that? I think so. I think we can make that happen. Get the bong out. That'd be crazy. <laughs> oh my God. Get the bong out. I don't uh, think so. You're gonna have a lot of hard time. You're gonna have a hard time pulling up those, pulling up those clips. January. <laughs> Latisha Wallace, ever the state representative, <laughs> pointing out that it's not technically legal until January. Are anyone getting in trouble? Yeah, yeah. Are you getting in trouble? And you would not want to be uh, advocating breaking the law. Latisha right. Wallace, Amina Mustafa, the Dr. D. Great job, everybody. This has been a Ben Jarofsky bonus special. Take care. 
This Bindrovsky, Benny J. bonus interview was brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and of course, our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.